0: We saw that fitness was taking the place of wellness and the full meaning of well-being. We wanted to start a company that allowed classes, people to get back to the basics. We feel like the world has placed this whole thing on us that we have to look like this, we have to eat this, we have to do all of these things to be well. And so we wanted to take a different approach when we started this business.
1: That was the voice of Ashley Brooke James, co-founder and COO of Triluna Wellness, and she's explaining some of the reasons why she and Triluna co-founder and CEO, Elizabeth Moore, decided to start their business. My name's Clark Buckner, and welcome to the premiere of season four of Disrupt the Continuum, Launch Tennessee's podcast powered by Pinnacle Financial Partners. This show is dedicated to entrepreneurs, investors, and ecosystem builders. This season, we're bringing you behind-the-scene interviews with attendees and guest speakers from last year's 3686 Festival, which for the first time went completely virtual. The new fully interactive format united a worldwide audience to celebrate community, culture, and connection with the brightest minds across multiple industries. And I've got some exciting news for you. Another 3686 Festival is set to return later this summer. Our friends at Launch Tennessee are hard at work making it all happen, so be sure to keep an eye out for all of the latest info coming soon, including the official dates, speakers, and networking opportunities you will not want to miss, plus learn when and how to register for the next festival. We kick things off in this season a little different because we're bringing back guest host Kevin Roddy of Pinnacle Financial Partners, and he interviews Elizabeth and Ashley about how they're promoting holistic wellness and helping companies build community and improve their employees' lives in the process. They also share with Kevin some of the key principles they focus on as leaders of a company that's committed to diversity and inclusion. It's a great conversation, but before I turn the mic over to Kevin, we want to thank him and Pinnacle Financial Partners for sponsoring this season of Disrupt the Continuum. Pinnacle prides itself on being much more than just another bank. They offer their clients long-term partnerships for growing their businesses. Learn more at pnfp.com. Now, let's jump in.
2: Hello, I am Elizabeth Moore. I am the CEO and co-founder of Triluna Wellness.
0: Hello, my name is Ashley Brooke James. I am the COO and co-founder of Triluna Wellness.
3: And I am Kevin Roddy. I'm a banker with Pinnacle Financial Partners here in Nashville. It is a pleasure to be here to speak with Ashley Brooke James and Elizabeth Moore, Triluna. You know, as a side, Pinnacle, this is part of the 3686 Conference and Pinnacle has been the sponsor of thirty six eighty six uh, since it started five or six years ago, uh, which is appropriate. Pinnacle itself is a great entrepreneurial success story, and I personally have the uh, privilege of working with and speaking to many entrepreneurs, which is probably the most meaningful part of my job here at Pinnacle is to help entrepreneurs and figure out how we can help them from a business standpoint, banking standpoint, a number of different ways. So. With that said, enough about me and Pinnacle. I think uh, the most uh, interesting uh, story here is uh, Triluna and the two of you, Elizabeth and Ashley. And just an aside here, I, uh, as I was doing my due diligence, I realized that uh, you guys have a podcast of your own called Your Excuse. So I feel like Somebody set me up for a fall here. Uh, You know, I'm a rookie uh, podcast interviewer. This is my second time, and here you guys are with a great podcast. By the way, I listened to the first episode this morning. One of the things that uh, really stuck out is two things. One, I'm excused to eat a donut anytime I wanted to. uh, Ashley, I think one of the things you mentioned on the first episode Question was, What are you uh, scared of? And I think your response was, I'm scared of being uh, offended or uh, disgusted or something along those lines by somebody I'm interviewing. So I'm like, Okay, that's great. Uh, <laughs> very careful with my questions. I watch any jokes because I don't want to offend anybody here. But it, uh, with all that said, it is a pleasure to be here with both of you. And I think I'd just like to start by learning more about the company, but I think that starts with each of you. Both of you are corporate refugees as I understand it. You had great jobs before this, but for one reason or the other, you left that job to start Triluna, uh, all in the name of sort of wellness and what was going on with you individually. So I'll just start there. Maybe with you, Ashley, a little about you would be helpful, your background uh, and what you, led you to both, uh, I guess, you know, Elizabeth and then this company.
0: Absolutely. And thank you, Kevin. And I, you can you can ask me whatever. I won't take <laughs> offense. I'll go ahead and set the bar for that. Um, <laughs> well, my name again is Ashley Burke James. I have a background in IT sales and recruiting. I did that for about 10 years. And within that, in the later part of my career, I did very high demand sales, which caused me to travel a lot and just always on the go. And if anybody that's in sales, you know what I'm talking about. So with that, I developed migraines. I've always had migraines, but they turned into chronic migraines where I was having them like monthly, waking up out of my sleep and just trying to manage that in my career and the travel that came with that. So with me trying to manage that, I found yoga. And I would go to yoga in every city that I traveled to. And I just really liked it because it was a natural way of healing. I felt like the medicines that they were putting me on at the time were totally making me feel crazier than I already am. (laughs) So I found yoga and through that, I just really started getting into my practice. I got certified. And I just started teaching everywhere. I told my husband that I wanted to do wellness for a living, but wasn't sure what I wanted to do with that. And he was like, just start out working your work. And so I taught, I taught 10 to 15 classes a week. And then I just one day was like, it's time for me to make the jump. And I made the jump. And later on of August of that year of 2000, I left my corporate job in March of 2017 In August, I registered to get my second yoga teacher training where I met Elizabeth and her and I both, we just really clicked because both of us came from this business background and we just really got each other. And I had actually Mm -hmm. already told myself, if I have to go back to corporate, I'm going to work with her. I think that (laughs) she would be a great person, a great reference for me to stay close with. And I love the company that she's talking about, that she works from. I think I could work with her. Little did I know she was going to be my business partner. Mm. And during that time, Elizabeth was going through what I was going through in previous months where she was in a job that wasn't satisfying her. So one day, what happened, Liz?
2: <laughs> well, the, one day after I got back from a trip to Rome in Pompeii, I got back mm. and my boss asked me what i liked about my job and what i didn't and i kind of just had an oh crap moment where i was like i don't like anything about this job right now and i accidentally quit my job <laughs> <laughs> she kind oh, of was I like oh, i that happens i know i know <laughs> me too that was a mistake,
3: like but it worked out
2: <laughs> it did it did you know she kind of was just like um well do you want to think about it like do you want to get back to me and you know, I really liked the company I was working for, but I really didn't like my role. And I really didn't. I've been in marketing, every form of marketing for the last 10 years. And I was in digital at the time. And I just was like, I cannot spend any more of my time marketing other people's stuff when I know I have this burning desire to do my own thing living Mm -hmm. inside of me. And so I accidentally quit. And two (laughs) weeks later, I was out of a job with no backup plan and just a little bit of savings. And I took that money and I enrolled in pre-flight at the Entrepreneurship Center here in Nashville, huge fans. Yep. And two weeks into that program, I had asked my sister who I'd had a health coaching company with previously if she wanted to join me and be my business partner in this new venture I was going to start. And she was like, hell no, I am not quitting my job to come with you and do this. You're crazy. There's no way I'm doing that. So I was prepared to do it on my own, um, but I knew that it was going to be really important for me from the beginning to have multiple perspectives, because I didn't see that in the wellness space and that's what I wanted to fix. And so doing it by myself didn't feel right. And Ashley and I did a little bit of work together. Um, She did a cooking challenge and I was like, I want to join and be a part of your platform. And she was like, I mean, sure, okay, if that's what you want to do. Um, but it ended up working out really well, and we were great partners. And so two weeks into the program at PreFlight, I asked her to be my business partner, to be my business wife, and she <laughs> called her husband.
3: She a different mother, in other words.
2: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. She accepted my proposal, my business proposal of marriage, and um, she complains that I still haven't given her a ring, but I keep telling her I'm working <laughs> on
0: it.
3: Right.
2: And we combine forces, and we've been together ever since. Uh, we'll have our official two year anniversary next month.
3: Mm-hmm. but
2: um the company has been together technically about two and a half years almost. so
3: it's awesome. And how's it going?
2: It's good. Being in your second year of business when you're largely an events company in the middle of a global pandemic mm-hmm. is difficult, as you might imagine. Yep. but we're tough and through. Uh, we're learning a lot, so we're actually grateful for the experience.
3: That's great. We'll talk a little bit about the business in a second, but just you know, back to to what it is Triluna does. Just dumb question for somebody that doesn't know any better, like myself. What's what is wellness to you, and and, and what's the difference between wellness and fitness? I mean. Again, in your podcast, you reference the people that um, that get up four thirty in the morning, hit the gym. I'm not one of those that uh, go and make sure everybody knows that I'm in the gym via social media. Uh, are <laughs> they not? But uh, I am trying to stay fit just to you know slow down father time. But your idea of wellness and the services you provide are so much broader and, quite frankly, so much more complex. So, sort of, you know, explain that. To me, maybe as a, as a as somebody that would look to engage you guys individually or corporately, what does that what does that mean? And what is what could it do for me, either as a uh, individual or um, as a business owner?
0: I will answer the question of us of, of our services, and I'll let Liz touch on more of the uh, individual and business approach. The reason why we started this company is because we saw that fitness was taking the place of wellness and the full meaning of well-being. We wanted to start a company that allowed classes, people to get back to the basics. That is one of our biggest things. We teach basic yoga classes, we teach basic boot camp classes, basic home health cooking. As yoga instructors and people who've done yoga for a very long time, we would go into these yoga studios and classes that were labeled as basic, they weren't. And we, Liz and I both, felt there was a space missing for people just to get back to the basics. We feel like the world has placed this whole thing on us that we have to look like this, we have to eat this, we have to do all of these things to be well. And so we wanted to take a different approach when we started this business. And so Liz, I'll let you take it as far as like the individual approach and our approach. Yeah, we
2: really started this company, like Ashley said, because we didn't see representation of anything other than like the kind of thin white female Lululemon model. And we didn't think wellness was that. Um, We think that you can be fit and unwell and you can be unwell and fit. They are Mm -hmm. not the same thing. So to us, wellness is this really comprehensive life approach that allows you to live the kind of life that you want to live for longer with the people you want to be with. And if your pursuit of fitness or the perfect body gets in the way of that, then you have actually sacrificed your wellness in pursuit of fitness. Mm-hmm. And we really wanted to exist as the antithesis to that. We wanted to be a place to begin, a place to restart, a place to explore new ideas, new concepts. A lot of times, especially in the corporate space, wellness programs cater to the well. Say, for example, if a company launches a yoga program in their you know, building, now it's all online, but if you launch it, people who have never done yoga are probably not going to go do that kind of yoga in front of their coworkers, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of barriers to entry there. But if you create classes and programs that are designed to cater to the beginner with the ability to scale up for those that have an advanced practice... You can reach more people and actually have a much, much larger impact. So we have corporate wellness programs that range from movement classes like yoga, hit, all that kind of traditional wellness, all the way up to lunch and learns about stress management and meditation, and then even team builders like cooking classes or avocados and asanas. And then we even now do half and full day retreats, both virtually and in person.
3: Interesting. And what is, you know, for the, as you're talking to prospective clients, again, either individually or corporate, because I see you do some concierge services as well. What What is the return? I mean, return, and, and I don't want to be so shallow that it's all financial. And, and maybe I'm answering my own question. The return is a happier, more fulfilling life. But then what does that mean for the business owner as they're trying to engage you guys for the wellness of their employees? How does it better their employee and how do you, employees and, and in turn their company? And can you point to a, a, a specific return that they will get by hiring you? Or is that, am I looking at, at this correctly?
2: Yeah, we have a really interesting approach to this. I think what we're learning, we've studied corporate wellness a ton, obviously, when right. we were developing our programs. And one of the major complaints about corporate wellness is that the programs aren't effective. And a lot of that is because it doesn't engage those that need wellness the most. It's like those who aren't practicing some sort of wellness or fitness routine in their life. Mm -hmm. So they might have the most health issues or they might have the most stress or they might not have taken a wellness or fitness class before. And for the most part, those people are left out of corporate wellness programs. So we decided that We wanted something different and measuring the ROI, the actual money amount of that is difficult. And that has been a major complaint of a lot of more traditional Mm -hmm. companies, but especially these younger companies that are starting to come up, some of the more innovative companies, those that are owned by, you know, 40 under 40 founders or on the, you know, Forbes 500 most innovative list. They are starting to realize that an employee that is unwell is less engaged. Mm -hmm. They're less likely to stay with the company. And they're more likely to cost the company more money, whether it be in conflict management or in production. For that reason, we focus on the community aspect of Mm -hmm. wellness. So we are very interested in the dynamics of an office how the staff can encourage each other to participate and how you can build wellness from the inside out rather than focusing on fitness
0: from the outside in.
3: That's really cool. Ashley, are you gonna say something?
0: No, I was, she hit on the community part. That was where I was going to next, the engagement on the team. We had this conversation earlier today when we were actually, this was the topic, right? You know, what is the return on that? Mm-hmm. And we spend so much time with our coworkers and our teams. And I think that if we can show another side, even with the management, showing that side of, you know, vulnerability that, yeah, I'm stressed out, too. And that we can have conversations and use the tools together, you know, as a community, as a team to mm-hmm. like work through this together, it, it it builds an even stronger bond because someone on that team doesn't feel like they're alone because they're going through a depressive stage right now. Right. 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 And stress unchecked in
2: a company becomes corrosive really quickly. And so the more you can get that out into the open and get it addressed and be taking care of each other as a whole, the better your overall production is going to be.
3: So you're really coming into a company and you're putting together a template of some type, a program that allows companies to basically build a community that enhances or that that promotes and enhances wellness, both of the the individuals through this community, which in turn leads to a better company. Is that, did I-
0: is exactly. That, right. Perfect.
3: Well, good. All right. Well, I'm gonna
0: have to, I'm gonna have to play that back so yeah, I can use that feel in my free. pitches. Let me know
3: how how far that gets <laughs> okay. back. So that's uh, <laughs> free marketing. So another big, uh, you know, sort of part of what you do, and I think you guys sort of exemplify this individually is diversity and inclusion. And you know, right now, that is that is uh, something that companies, smart companies, are focusing on. In fact, Pinnacle, I'm proud to say, just hired uh, our first diversity and inclusion officer. Uh, which is long overdue, but it really Great. sort of a, its not only appropriate, but it's—it was—it's in response to what sort of has happened over the last few months, um, and it's the right thing to do, and I'm proud of that. But all that to say, what do you guys do from diverse, from a diversity inclusion standpoint? I see that you can, you do speeches and things like that, but how does it differ from the wellness part? or is it all the same? I mean, is diversity inclusion part of the overall wellness? goal that you're, you're, you're striving for, for your, your clients and for yourselves?
0: Yes. The way that diversity, a diversity inclusion has been intentional from the beginning. It's another reason why we started this business in the wellness space for me personally, being a black woman teaching yoga or doing yoga in the Nashville area, I didn't see myself alive, you know, and I felt like in order for people to show up, of the black and brown community, they needed to see representations of themselves mm-hmm. and not the Lululemon lady. So, and then, in on the reverse side, because you know, the thin Lululemon, sorry Lululemon, <laughs> uh, yeah. woman was being represented
3: up here. Uh, okay. uh, yeah.
0: but that's who was being, you know, that's who's on display as the yoga figure. And for Liz, on the other side, she didn't see different bodies types being represented Mm -hmm. so we want it to be intentional from day one you know it's not a lot of companies that are ran 50 50 by a black and white woman so going in we looked and said what do we want what do we what do we need to represent and even to this day we on our team meetings when we come together we've been having meetings around diversity and inclusion since the beginning of time since we started this all of our contractors We'll have our Zoom meetings and we'll have open, honest conversations and have everybody look around and say, what are we missing? You know, and I think that if we can have more companies be in a leadership role to not be afraid to say we're missing a black person or Asian person or Hispanic person or whatever race it is, once they get past that, I feel like all the other employees and everybody on the team can have a little bit more freedom to speak freely, but it starts from the top down, right? And mm-hmm. so on the community side, we, again, we want representation to matter. We want to have conversations with people and we feel like the best way that we can get to know each someone is by lived experiences. It's one of our favorite mm-hmm. phrases, right Liz? Like mm-hmm. you never get to really truly know someone until you understand their story and their lived experience. And you're never going to get in that position unless you're open to have those conversations of who is missing and who do we mm-hmm. need to get to know.
2: Yeah, we we had an experience recently where um, we lost an opportunity because we were talking about diversity and inclusion. And the person that took the opportunity from us said, I thought you were a wellness company. I didn't realize you were going to be talking about this kind of stuff. Mm. And our response to that was that uh, an individual can only be as well as their community. And if we do not address the systemic racism that our community is experiencing, we cannot experience true individual wellness either. So diversity and inclusion will always be part of our wellness programs because of
3: that. It's not in addition to, it is part of, integrated into any program that you uh, are engaged to, to perform for a client, there will be a conversation about diversity and inclusion. Is that what you're saying?
2: Some of our programs don't include an explicit conversation about diversity and inclusion, but by the nature of who we are, it is always present because we are diverse. Our teachers are diverse. So it is always present in anything that we do.
3: And what are you hoping for there? And that again, let me let me sort of elaborate here with an example of Pinnacle. After you uh, go into a company or a client, and you have this conversation. Is either part of your wellness, uh, you know, initiative or however diversity inclusion, which is core to what you guys who you are and what you do. What is it that the client is hoping to achieve there? What are you hoping to see? In other words, are you hoping to see a great awareness, a greater degree of awareness from leadership of that company? Or are you looking to see something more tangible, like in the case of Pinnacle, a diversity inclusion uh, officer that is there to make sure and proactively take the steps to ensure greater diversity inclusion within our company? So, what's the end goal there? And again, I know yeah. what the, typically what does that look like?
0: I believe it's all of those things. I think it is to be, bring awareness, I think it is to start having conversations because, again, in order to get to where we're going and to truly understand one another, we have to initiate the conversations. And then the tangible piece. I do believe that some companies have been stuck in their ways for so long that they they won't be intentional about it unless they put this tangible person or piece of, into their business.
2: Yeah, and the impact that we're able to have really depends on the team that we're talking to. If we're talking to a leadership team, we can talk to them about putting someone in place that could actually help them oversee that for the company. But if we're talking to a women's group inside a company that doesn't have leadership, then we can't tell them that it's got to come from the top down. But what we can do is help them craft awareness in their life so that they go home and they start talking to their community and their community spreads that out to ancillary communities, and eventually the communal awareness of this starts to collectively raise. That is impactful. And when you can have that sort of impact, then you can start to see representation, which we think is hugely important for getting more BIPOC involved in roles like that is to see themselves reflected there.
3: Right. You know, if nothing else, I think what you provide along those lines is a safe zone in a safe space to have the conversation, you know, a little self-respect, self-reflection on my part, which I can do since I'm the interviewer. But I, uh, I went through Leadership National program last year, and what that, you know, it's a very diverse group, and for somebody like myself, wh- who was a product of white privilege, it was an opportunity for me to learn the perspectives of others that. Didn't grow up like me, didn't look like me, but also asked the questions that that I wanted to ask, that uh, the dumb white guy questions I put in. There were many of them, but for me, that program allowed me that opportunity to learn more, become more aware of the importance of diversity and inclusion, and those that that, like you said, are are not not only not less fortunate than I am, but ha- and, and had much less privilege than I had growing up, but to this day, there are things that I didn't realize that are taking place in their community that, that hold them back. And for me, that was, that was a very, that was probably the best part of that program. And it sounds like you guys are trying to do the same within the company, create that safe space so that you can have that conversation, but also create awareness about what's going on in the society and also what's going on within your, your company, which you may not realize is going on. So I think- I think that's, that's a great exactly
0: right. Yeah, that's
3: exactly right. Actually, I might have some more dumb white guy questions. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, So anyway,
0: it's okay. We got to have the conversations, right?
3: <laughs> like, exactly Liz and I right. do
0: it all the time. I'm like, this may be dumb, and she's like, no, that's not dumb. Or she may be like, this may be dumb, but but if we don't ask, we never know. Well,
3: and, and, truth be told, I mean, there's awareness that that went in reverse. I mean, it's sort of. Mm-hmm there's attitudes that I have or perceptions that I have that aren't necessarily bad but they're but they could answer them um again it was just a great uh, it was a great experience I'm better for it and i I, I think it's great what you guys are trying to do for your clients as you build your company. So speaking of diversity, I mean you guys uh, when we we scheduled this, I think Clark Buckner who facilitated this put this together said are either one of you are either one of you available and he's like ah uh-uh, there's no I and we either we both do a
2: <laughs>
0: uh,
3: mm-hmm. testament to the partnership that you have. So I, there's obviously a, a shared vision, you guys great work great together, but I am curious as Back to diversity, what is it that sets you guys apart? what's the complementary s- skill sets that both complement you guys as a whole but also you know maybe uh, you guys work on I, I, I do business with a lot of partners and sometimes most of the time they work really well but sometimes they they don't and I'm just curious how you guys make it work so well yeah, that's a great question.
2: Well, I think one thing that really sets us apart and brought us together is that we are business people in the wellness world. And most of the time, that is not what you see. We have a lot of really incredible friends that have wellness businesses that are often asking us for business advice because they don't have a combined 20 years of experience in sales and marketing like Ashley and I do. So that allows us to see multiple perspectives. Wellness is not a particularly lucrative field from the ground up obviously, you can make a lot of money in wellness if you do it the right way, or if you have the right marketing. But for the average everyday yoga studio owner, it is not a super lucrative business. And so we set out from the very beginning to both say that is not what we want to build. There are incredible yoga studios in town, they're really good at what they do, we don't need to recreate that. Mm -hmm. And so we both went into this with that same idea. And every quarter, Ashley and I Go away somewhere, whether it's Chattanooga or a cabin, and we really look at our goals and we make sure that they're aligned with what the company is doing and what the two of us want. Mm-hmm. And we really do treat our business partnership like a marriage. Really, we do. Ashley, you want to expand on how? We
0: <laughs> are yeah, about- I mean, we in the in the beginning, you know, we had to learn each other. We had to learn how to. I always say we learned how to argue right very quickly. I knew the things that made her upset. She knew things that made me upset and we had to learn how to deal with them. I'm not a very responsive person when I'm upset. I need to step away and process and Liz wants to fix the problem right then and there. But it was it was great for me to work on because my husband's like that in real life. And so, you know, it helped me, but we got to understand each other. I'll. Fast forward to this year, because this year was a very big changing point in our our business relationship because of all of the things that are going on. Back in February, when Ahmaud Aubrey was shot and killed, that was something that was very, very hard on me because I live in a white neighborhood. I run, I walk regularly, and so does my husband. And I just kept having these images. And Liz and I have had open dialogue about race and diversity and inclusion and what that looked like. But this was the first time that it really hit home and we really needed to have a hard conversation. It was hard for me because I had never in my life, and I have, I like, I say it all the time, I have just as many white friends as I have black friends, but I have never in my life talked to or expressed my feelings to any of my white friends. It was always me holding back something Mm -hmm. But I explained to her how I truly, truly felt it was hard. She'll tell you I was very nervous, but we had to have that conversation for us to be stronger. And I think what came from that was for us to have open dialogue about any and everything now. Like this was a really, really hard one because it's something that everyone's sensitive about. And that's race, Mm -hmm. you know, and she took it and she listened to me. And she found her own ways of going about the things that I said was a problem. And then she started having the conversations with the right people. And I'll, uh, I'll, I'll let her kind of go into that. But it all starts from learning each other, how to communicate, and even pushing through when you don't want to. Mm. You
3: know, what, if I may probe a little bit more here, what was it that, to clarify, what was it after Matt Aubrey was was shot? What was it that you were bringing to elizabeth's attention to the extent you want to share that here
2: she brought it to me i mean i obviously had awareness of it i had posted about it a little bit and it was in my periphery but it wasn't the most important thing in my life at that moment and ashley kind of just sat me down and was like look you are my business partner you're one of my best friends you own this company that talks about diversity and inclusion and you're not doing enough. Mm. And that was really hard for me to hear. Um, But I had done enough work that I knew I needed to take that fragility and throw it away and actually listen to her and hear what she had to say and do the work. And I, we always say now that that was the moment that I was activated is the word that we used. And it's not that I wasn't before or that I wasn't aware, but I wasn't doing enough. Mm. And ever since then, it has become the most important thing to me and to our business. And it is the hill that we will die on. It is mm. the most important thing to us now, both of
3: us. That's awesome. Well, I mean, you obviously have great communication between between the two of you. You know, my experience that's for any partnership, personal or professional, that's, that's probably... Uh, one of the most important aspects of it, but I, I'm curious, back to the original question, are there specific skill sets uh, that each of you had or strengths that really complement one another as you run the business? Is one of you the, I mean, uh, a <laughs> detail person, whereas the other one is the, the people person, although both of you are your people people, uh, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Um uh,
0: mm-hmm.
3: What what are the complementary skill sets that you guys bring to the table that make it work from a business standpoint? You obviously have the communication down, but what is it that that really enhances this this partnership, given your your differences?
0: Well, our differences have what made us be this like powerhouse dynamic. I am our salesperson; <laughs> like I will talk to any and everybody, I will reach out to anybody, but I come from that right. I come from business development. I come from recruiting. I come and I bring all of that, all of those skills, um, you know, forefront to try Luna. I'm a big organizer. So obviously I'm the COO. So everything has to be in order and everything has to, you know, go effectively. And I have these big ideas and I can just hand them over to Liz and then she just like makes them even bigger and beautiful on Ooh. screen and paper. <laughs>
2: <Wow>. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a big aggressive pusher. Um, I'm a big dreamer and I'm an aggressive pusher. So together, the two of us have been able to work really well. I like to be behind the scenes, like working on our website, working on our copy, mm-hmm. working on our marketing, reading all the business magazines and really studying the minutia of business is interesting to me. And I always joke that Ashley is so charming that everybody loves Triluna regardless of what I do. So yeah. it really makes, <laughs> it makes both of our lives they You dare easier. not to screw
3: it up or try not to screw
2: yeah. it up. It's it all key
3: for you. And you're like, all right, Liz, just do not screw this one up.
2: Yeah, like, just don't be super awkward, please. I mean, all
3: sorts of rom- <laughs> rom- hoping you can deliver.
2: <laughs> um, no, it's, I mean, we, we really lucked out. We both are, dreamers and we're also doers so we like to just jump in and get started we don't like to practice we don't like to try it beforehand we just want to do it and get our hands dirty and mess up and learn from it and that similarity in combination with how different we are on the back end of things has really made us um a dream team if i do say so myself
3: that's awesome so, I want to spend the last few minutes talking about the business I mean you obviously have a great partnership you have a, a a great company delivering a service that everybody would agree is 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 great wellness diversity inclusion creating you know the atmosphere within companies and enhancing that both corporately as well as individually but talk to us about how you started the business you had this great idea two years ago and it's a it's one thing to have a great idea it's another thing to basically launch. Um, so I'm curious as to your experience uh, early in the early days of this, uh, how you launched, how you got your first clients. Uh, you mentioned the um, Entrepreneur Center here in Nashville. As um, a proud board member there. I'm, I'm glad to hear that you had a great experience <laughs> there.
0: Um,
3: so spend a few minutes, if you wouldn't mind, just sort of, you know, talking to me as well as the entrepreneurs on this call about how you started the business some of the uh, early challenges that you had i mean you're still early but how are you how are you dealing with those challenges and and what's in the future for charluna
2: that's a really good question we started this company only with our savings we've gotten some very small family loans and that's what we have survived on but we sat down at the EC and we had this business plan. We were going to start this like wellness center, like basically a giant spa. And throughout, I'll never forget this. There was one day when we were in the program at the EC, which is an incredible program. If you can get yourself in an incubator in the early mm-hmm. days, I highly recommend it. But I, we were sitting there and they kept trying to kick us out because we, it was late. They were trying to close down. We we're like, no, no, we just, we have to work through this. we, in one day realized that having this brick and mortar overhead was going to require us to likely either put ourselves in massive debt or give away part of our business in order to get investors. And we just said, no, let's not do that. Let's like, let's just find a completely different way to do this. So we're two years in and we still don't have an office. We have virtually no overhead. We have really, really reduced, especially now in the middle of COVID we've really reduced it. And that's allowed us flexibility to pivot, to change, to figure out what we need, and to not have a bunch of
0: debt weighing us down.
3: You and how a bad thing. As a banker, I sort of take offense to that. But go ahead. Sorry.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, and how we went about getting our clients. I mean, lucky for us, we, with our marketing and sales background, we still had connections. Um, at the time, Liz was through her own individual company on a contract position uh, with ASCAP through Cigna, which are huge companies. I teach yoga at HCA. So mm-hmm. we were inside these huge companies. People loved us in our delivery. And it was like, if you want more of that, of this, you can follow us on our, our own pages. Right. And I just went back to what I know as a salesperson, picking up the phone and cold calling everyone in our network, calling everyone that looked like to be a good fit for us. And we just like Liz said, we just showed up. Mm. We just did the work and we've learned a lot and we've scaled back some more. And the good thing about to jump back to what Liz said earlier about us coming together every year um, at the beginning of the year and kind of mapping up out our plans. What helped us when COVID hit is that we had already had a three year curriculum plan for Mm. our three year goal like our one year, three year, five year goal. Our three year goal from now was to develop online curriculum because we knew that that was going to be a way for us to scale our business. And so we just had to move that three year up to one year. But that's the glory of having these goals, right? You can go back, you can look at them and rearrange them to fit what's going on at this time.
3: So you are constantly pivoting is what you're saying. Yes. (laughs)
0: Yeah, right now, definitely.
2: And we, we have our core services. We are born of three primary services, which we know really well, and that's health coaching, movement, and cooking classes. We combine those three things to create comprehensive workshops. So our workshops have not changed. We know they're good. We know they work. People love them. We've tried and tested them out so many times. But the ways in which we deliver them has pivoted and changed, and we've been able to take everything virtual in the middle of COVID, which has really been a benefit to us when things are difficult.
3: So what is it? What is, who is your target market and what are you delivering? You're delivering, it sounds like, workshops on a sort of a, over a specific time frame or just some sort of retainer. Talk me through the business model, if you wouldn't mind, the, again, starting with the, the target Market or ideal client for you. In addition to the, that, that that client that gets it and wants to improve wellness and diversity and inclusion, I get that. But sort of size, and then what is the 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 package that you offer?
2: Yeah, I can go through demographics, and then Ashley can do our sales pitch.
3: <laughs> uh, can, uh, <laughs> hey, go ahead, Liz.
2: Okay, so our demographic is traditionally younger companies, so millennial-owned companies, forty under 40, 30 under thirty. Female-owned companies are an easier sell for us. Obviously, BIPOC-owned companies are an easier sell for us. We are looking to sell to people who understand that wellness is intrinsically important. We are not doing step challenges. We're not doing water challenges. We don't have PowerPoint presentations. So if you're looking for the ROI of lowering the weight of your employees, we are not your company. We do not promote weight loss. We do not promote dieting. We do not promote calorie counting of any kind. So if those are the metrics that you're looking for, which is what you get from some of the larger, more established companies, then you're not going to get that from us. So we're looking for the companies who intrinsically understand the value of taking care of their employees from the
0: inside out.
3: That was a pretty good sales pitch. Uh, <laughs> beat that, Ashley. I'm <laughs>
0: I taught her well. No, no, yeah, I was about, about to say, say that. Yeah, exactly. I tell, I'll take all credit for that. <laughs> but our, our services, and Liz mentioned this earlier, our services range from anything from movement classes to interactive lunch and learns, where we have interactive uh, workbooks that calls for people to you know, ask questions out loud and it, it initiates conversation. We have team builders that consist of fun wellness, like one of our most popular... Uh, Team Builders is down dogs to donuts. You get to do a fun yoga class and eat Mm -hmm. donuts after. I mean, (laughs) come on. So we really try to, like I I tell everyone in my sales meetings, we're trying to bring fun into wellness. Mm -hmm. We want people to show up and know that they're not earning that donut after. We're just eating donuts. And we're going to have conversations about how we should be eating this and Mm -hmm. how we, instead of how we shouldn't be eating this. So we really get to know the culture of the teams and really get a feel of, you know, their biggest um, needs or problems. An example uh, of, of one of our harder sales, we had a female owned business in IT where we had to go in and they weren't necessarily down just to do a yoga class. You know, we had to start out with letting them understand the stress that they carry, how to use meditation as a tool. Then we would go in and do small meditation classes. Then we would go in and do desk stretching, which led them up to being, you know, having a, a cooking class, which they all got to interact and people got to take recipes back home. So we really get to understand the group. We have all of these wonderful services, but we curate it to fit your business needs and your, mm-hmm. your team.
3: And is that on a retainer or subscription type of model, or how to how lo- how long do you look to uh, how long is a contractual obligation if there is a contract?
2: Yeah, that really depends on the client. You know, we have some clients who are just interested in doing a movement class once a week for three months, um, and then we'll have some who want to do a half day retreat one off, and that's all they want to do. So it really depends on the client and what they're interested in, and how many of the services we are currently working on transitioning all of our classes to virtual by the time this podcast comes out they will all be virtual and there will be bundled courses that you can purchase but right now um, it's kind of a free market with everything being
3: virtual Mm -hmm. and 12 to 18 months from now where do you hope to be both from from a from the company standpoint you know what what are the goals ahead for you guys um, as a company
2: yeah, I mean, obviously, those have shifted pretty dramatically um, being in our second year of business and in the middle of a pandemic. But we would like in the very near future to have really buttoned up courses that we can execute quickly and efficiently that are very impactful. We also have a festival that we do every year called the Mind Body Magic Festival, and it is designed to bring holistic community wellness to the public, and we would like to have that in multiple cities around the U.S., so that's a really big, important part of the community piece of what we do. And then we would actually eventually like to open a nonprofit portion of our company, a branch, that works with bringing basic wellness skills to schools, uh, lower-income areas, mental health institutions, really anywhere that needs it that could benefit from basic wellness practices and skills.
0: That's great. And I'll add that we'll continue to do panels and speeches on diversity and inclusion, even when the world is not making it a thing.
3: Right. <laughs> well, it sounds like it's going to be a thing for a long time. I hope.
0: <laughs>
1: I um, hope
3: your timing is good. Um, I would think so. Last question, I you know, we have some entrepreneurs. Hopefully, many entrepreneurs are listening in on this uh, call, and and you guys sort of represent the a classic. Case study of an entrepreneur who had a passion. Entrepreneurs who had a passion for the mission of the company, for building the company, and you, you've obviously gone through some some trials and tribulations. I guess my question finally is: What is the advice you would give to entrepreneurs who may there are a lot of entrepreneur wannabes? But what is the advice that you would give to that entrepreneur wannabe that may have a passion for something, but may may lack the the will to do it or the the, the courage to do it? Do you have something that you could share with them that may get them off the ledge, uh, both from an advice standpoint, but also from awareness standpoint? It's not as easy as, uh, you know, sometimes they shouldn't be that. So I'm just curious yeah. the, what advice you would give them to know that it's, at this point, this is something you should try.
0: I would say from an awareness standpoint that this is not easy at all. It, it's, it's more than just imagining in building this company. It's the backbone, it's the gritty work, you having to show up because nobody else is going to show up and write the curriculum or write the things for you. So you have to have that strong willpower to be able to show up even when you don't want to. I would also like to say is like have some type of plan. I know Liz and I are really big on being visionaries, writing down plans, you know, really, you know, trying things to push us out there. Like Liz and I were running this business before we left our corporate businesses. So we were initiating our plans before we even made the jump. We were doing the work before we made the jump. It's the hardest job that I've ever had in my whole entire life. But it's the most rewarding job because I'm making a change in like not only myself, but in the community. And I just want people to know that you know, it's no one's gonna tell you when to jump. Once you start outworking the work, that's like my best advice. This is advice that was given to me, that was advice that I told Liz. You have to come to a point where you're willing to outwork the work that you're wanting to do. And then you just have to believe in yourself. You have to truly, truly believe in yourself and you just have to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's never a right time. The advice that I was given actually in the pre
2: flight program that has really, really stuck with me is don't give up too soon. Mm -hmm. And I, that has stuck with me so much because there have definitely been days where Ashley and I are like, this is so hard. We're two years in, we're hardly paying ourselves. You know, it's like you, you have to be really, really deeply committed to pulling this off. And then you have to remember that it takes three to five years to even really get enough runway to prove the efficacy of your model. So if you give up before you hit that mark, then you will have missed your opportunity. So my uh, my mom actually always says, this is my favorite quote. She always says, fear is a mile high and a mile wide, but it's paper thin. And if you can just push through it, you'll be on the other side of it.
3: That's great advice from mom. hmm
2: thanks mom. Also an entrepreneur, yeah, exactly. she gets it.
3: Oh, that's awesome. awesome. Well, that's really all the questions that I had. I, you know, I want to thank you for the time that uh, you spent with me here. I appreciate the opportunity to even host this podcast, but I really enjoyed learning more about And too. You know, I I know that times are tough, but if there's anybody that could be successful and that represents a mission that is is so noble and that everybody should be um, more mindful of, especially in the current environment with COVID and everything else that's going on in society, I, I think it's, you know, just so well positioned to, to be able to take this ball and run it. And and like you said, do well for yourselves, but also do good for others. So anyway, I just want to thank you for your time thank and look forward to, so to listening more of the episode two of your <laughs> Excuse podcast. podcast.
2: <So>, uh, <laughs> well, thank you so much. We are really grateful that, for this opportunity and we are huge fans also of 3686. So um, yep. we are really grateful and yeah, we really appreciate <laughs> you. Great. Right, right. Well, it's you're. Really you know,
3: really it's uh, like you said. It's um, it, 3686 is unbelievable. Conference Launch Tennessee is an unbelievable resource for entrepreneurs mm-hmm. uh, As an entrepreneur wannabe that uh, never had the money or guts to do it myself, it's great to speak with um, entrepreneurs like yourself and others. So you're right. 3686 is um, is great, and will only get bigger and better as time goes on.
2: Yes, it will. Well, thank you yes. so so much.
1: Thanks for listening to Disrupt the Continuum, a Launch Tennessee podcast where Tennessee's entrepreneurs, investors, and ecosystem builders share their stories. Remember to check back often for updates on this summer's 3686 Festival, including when and how to register. Launch Tennessee is a public-private partnership with this simple vision, make Tennessee the most startup-friendly state in the nation. With a statewide network of partners across industries like healthcare, life science, energy, music, and more, Launch Tennessee provides the resources and connectivity to drive Tennessee's innovation economy. To follow along our journey, visit launchtn.org podcast. And be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. Stay tuned as we'll be back next week to continue the conversation with another episode of Disrupt the Continuum.